Well, good morning, Calvary. Thanks for joining us today for uh, this special service. Thanks for participating in worship. Um, we're excited about what God has for us. And so before we begin this conversation, this time, I'd love to open with a word of prayer. Will you join me in prayer? Father, uh, we thank you again for this moment. We thank you um, <clears throat> that you guide all of our conversations. And there's so much pain and frustration in our community, in our world, in our country. And there's so much hurt, and there's so many people... Um, who want their voices to be heard, and there's others who want to know how to be helpful. And Father, as Christians, we come to you and we come to the Word to try to figure those things out. And so as we press into issues today of justice and reconciliation and listen, I pray that you will be honored and glorified in everything that we do and we say in this time together. Amen. Well, if you've been with us for the past few weeks, what you know is we're in a series in the book of Joshua. And today's text in that series would have been Joshua chapter 8. I'd encourage you to read that that chapter because we're not going to go through it. We're not going to unpack it today verse by verse like we normally do. What we're going to do is kind of pause. And as we've shared in emails throughout the week, we're going to spend today's services and maybe other services thinking about issues of race and justice and trying to put some framework onto everything that we've seen on our TV sets and put some handles on those issues about what we can do. And it's timely as this situation continues to evolve. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon, a little bit before four o'clock, and who knows what will happen in the days to come before Sunday. And there's a lot of layers to this. Just a few hours ago, the trial of the shooters of Ahmad Aubrey down in Brunswick is ongoing and is probably finishing up as we speak. And today there was testimony that one of the guys who shot that man running, after that body was laying there, he uttered a racial epitaph as an insult to that man. A few hours ago, the three police officers in Minneapolis came for their first appearance. Earlier this morning, there were Christians who do urban ministry in Philadelphia putting pictures on social media about National Guard troops who are on their corner. This conversation this morning, and at this moment that we're recording, it is timely as things continue to evolve. And here's what I want you to know. In no way is this conversation separated from the story of Joshua, because the story of Joshua in many ways has themes because the story of Joshua fits into the bigger story of the Old Testament. Today's text would be about the Jewish people continuing to move into the land that God had given them. But we need to understand where the Jewish people's story began before they were given this land. At one point in their story, they were slaves in Egypt. And before they started to get any land, they were enslaved. And God came and he says this in Exodus chapter 3. He says, I've seen the affliction of my people and I have heard their cry. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them. And God wanted to free the Jewish people from their impression, from their injustice. He did that. He rescued them and he started to move them into this land that we've been studying in the book of Joshua. But part of the Jewish people getting this land was directly connected to God, ruling his kingdom here on earth. He was going to use the Jewish people in that land to help establish his kingdom and to help to further his kingdom and help grow his kingdom and to have things on earth be the way that he wanted them to be and to have people come into a relationship with him and as the story continues into the New Testament the king finally shows up Jesus shows up and he initiates another step of the kingdom an already not yet kingdom and he invites people into that kingdom and throughout the gospels we see he gives all sorts of instructions about how we are to treat people in the kingdom and then one day the king leaves 
And he says, I'm going away for a while and I'm going to come back one day. But he turns to his disciples and he says, I'm going to hand this work off to you. And the king says, King Jesus says, when I'm gone, I want you to continue to invite people into my kingdom. I want you to continue to spread the story of me and forgiveness of sins and the gospel. And I also want you to live in the kingdom the way that I want you to live. The king says, I'm going away. And I'm handing this off to you for a moment. And I want you to take care of my kingdom. I want you to invite people to my kingdom. And I want you to have life in the kingdom reflect what I want it to be. And so the question becomes, what is life in the kingdom supposed to be like? And throughout this book, man, there's, there's breadcrumbs, there's nuggets, there's truth throughout it about what life in God's kingdom is supposed to look like. Just a few passages Micah 6.8 talks about how in God's kingdom we're to do justice and we're to love mercy and we're to walk humbly with our God. Proverbs 31.8-9 says these words about what we're to do in God's kingdom. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Life in God's kingdom is supposed to align with those truths. Life in God's kingdom is supposed to look like what Jesus did. There's this amazing story in John 4 about how Jesus went to Samaria, went out of his way to go to Samaria to encounter the Samaritan woman. That's a big deal because the Jewish people did not like the Samaritans. There was prejudice, there was racism, there was division, and Jesus pierced through that to engage this woman in a conversation to help show her truth and peace and hope. It's about Jesus, who Paul later describes in Ephesians as the one who broke down the dividing wall of hostility, a wall of hostility that divided two people groups, the Gentiles and the Jews. The Gentiles and the Jews despised each other. They didn't try to hide their racism. They didn't try to hide their dislike. Man, they were public about it. They did everything they could not to associate with each other. There was this wall of division. And what the, Paul says is, man, Jesus pierced and broke down the wall that divided them. There's breadcrumbs about how we're to live in the kingdom when the king went away and said, take care of this while I'm gone. We know some truth about what we're supposed to do. And so then the question becomes this. Well, how well are we doing it? How well are we doing it? And, and that's what we're going to think about today, right? We're, and to think about those issues, man, I'm not sure if my perspective alone is the most helpful. In fact, I know that my perspective alone is not the most helpful. And so this morning what we're going to do is we're going to listen to two folks who are attend Calvary Church or associated with Calvary Church, and we're going to hear their stories. Um, so guys... Man, I'm appreciative, and I've told you this before. We've had lots of conversations before we started doing this, but really, um, <clears throat> to be willing to come into a room with just cameras and not know who's watching and share a little bit of your experience is really meaningful, and so I'm grateful for that. Um, so here's what I'd love to do, right? I first kind of want you guys just to introduce yourselves just a little bit. Um, give us a quick snapshot of who you are. We'll hear more about your stories. Um, Rob, I'd love then after that to hear a little bit if there's any other verses or thoughts you have about what the scripture says about prejudice, about justice, if you just have any few verses you'd like to add. And then what I'm going to ask you guys is, hey, we spent 
some time hearing what the book says about how we're to live and I'd then love to just hear your story and see if you've had experiences that have always aligned with that. Um, and I want to talk about that and I want to listen. And I think if we don't then talk about what we can do, uh, we're missing an opportunity. So I'd also love to hear you guys' thoughts on, so what do we do? And what do we do as individual Christians? What do we do as a church, okay? Um, so, hey, I know who you guys are, but love for you to take a minute and just introduce yourselves Pastor if you don't mind. Robert Turner, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Bridgeport Bible Fellowship Church. Um, I'm also uh, lead a nonprofit in Bridgeport, the I Care Outreach, where we serve to, um, uh, to lead, to teach, and to educate, and to uh, do life skills training in Bridgeport to help empower people with biblical principles and practical life skills. Um, I married my wife, Jessie, and uh, uh, we have eight children, and, and we have nine grandchildren. And, um, but more than anything, um, I just want to uh, piggyback, if I can, a little bit on what you said. For the Lord says, I've seen the affliction. I've seen the affliction of my people, and I've come down to deliver them. And there's so much uh, affliction, so much uh, division, so much racism, that's, and we can't escape this um, as believers of Christ. And I just, I'm just thinking that uh, this whole world has been interrupted as it relates to the COVID-19, that virus. But there's this other virus that has been systemic and has been going on for hundreds of years. And this virus of hatred and racism and division. And there's been s such an interruption of the flow of life in, in this nation, in our cities and suburbs and, and rural communities across this nation. And um, you mentioned about um, Christ had come. And in essence, he says, I'm handing this off to you. So as a people of God, we're called and we have a responsibility to righteousness and, and justice. Uh, and, and, I, and, I, and what I'm sensing and what I'm concerning is that there's this disruption that God has allowed to happen in a time such as this to get our attention as a people of God, that we can't just be passive as his people and, and, and be complacent with what we see happening in our cities and in our nation. The inaction of the people of God, uh, even to repent, not having a godly sorrow, a godly grief regarding the injustice and iniquities. I believe it has reached the throne of God because I'm reminded in Psalm 89, Verses 13 and 14, it says, uh, Pastor Peter and Alex, it speaks about, it says, the foundation of the throne is righteousness and justice. Um, and I'm also reminded in 2 uh, Corinthians, uh, verse 7 and 10, it says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Cool. Thanks, man. And we're going to unpack some of that in a little bit. Um, but thanks for being here. We also have another gentleman here, dapper-looking gentleman here, man, with a cool hat on. Uh, can you introduce yourself to some folks who may not know you? Um, my name is Alex. I'm on Kwasari. Um, I'm from Ghana. 
uh, <laughs> and I, I'm in Sacred Heart University. That's where I school and live right now. So yeah, that's, that's just like the gist of what and who I am right now. Yep. And I know, Alex, you've attended since you've been here, you know, you've, before we shut this thing down, man, it's been great to have you be part of some of our services here at Calvary. So we're grateful for that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to hear your stories in a minute. Rob, you've shared some passages about that Psalm 89:13 about uh, God's throne is a throne of justice and the mm-hmm. uh, other passage. There's, is there anything else that comes to mind right away or those kind of some core things? And then we'll kind of move into some of your stories. Well, I, I just know that we're all created in the image of God and our creator's very nature is that of justice. And, when I, and as I was pondering on the words just and justice and right and righteous, we find that in the Bible there's over 2,000 times that we find these words and it indicates how important it is to God. And as the people of God, we cannot allow ourselves to be just hoodwinked and yoked by the walls of the enemy of God. And I believe this is a time that the Lord is calling his people to rise up and to address this injustice because he sees the affliction. So we've, man, heard a lot, right? And we could keep going scripturally, but like you said, thousands um, references to justice and yes. act justly, love mercy. Um, and I guess the question is, that always been your guys' experience, right? Um, or have there been moments where as black people here in Connecticut or other places that you felt moments where you've been treated differently or haven't experienced justice or love? So um, Alex, we'll kind of start with you and whatever you'd love to kind of just share about your experience or your story or some perspectives uh, would be great for us to hear. Um, so uh, I'll begin by saying uh, thank you again for having me. But um, I moved to, I used to visit back um, between, let's say, 2010 till 2019. I used to visit America a lot, and I used to go back and forth. But this time I was going, like, between those times I was with my family. And I kind of had stories about this, um, about racism, but I was, like, I wasn't really, really sure about how it was because I felt more of um, discrimination than more of racism, but then um, uh, I got a chance of moving here in January, and when I moved here, I was by myself. I wasn't with my family, so I wasn't under, I would say, a shield by to be protected by um, you know racism. And when I moved there, um, that is when I felt something of what has been spoken for years and generation called racism and I was like so this thing actually does exist and I didn't know this till I felt it myself and that was back in um, college which is uh, Sacred Heart and um, that was it happened on the actually it was funny that it's it happened on the first week of school and I was like this did I just got here so how did this just happen and it's quite unfortunate that when I got to class, um, I sat down and there were two females who came into the class. And I was like, um, they looked at me awkwardly and I was like, okay, that's funny. And 
they didn't sit where I was. There were two, like, there were legit two empty seats and spaces next to me, but they didn't. They managed to crumple their way to another seat. When I thought maybe it was something else, I didn't want to like start creating anything in my head. And I was, it was kind of like <clears throat> bothering me. So I decided to ask one of my friends that I had just met in the school. And I was like, bro, I got to class, this happened. <laughs> is, is it like normal? He was like, oh, you haven't yet experienced the have you. And I was like, experience what? He was like, this is how it is here, man. And I was like, this is how what is? And he was like, this is how it is. Like, have you ever noticed why we um, people of color sit at a certain place away from um, white people and I was like no I haven't seen that and he was like okay try it again when you go back to the class and quite fortunately I had the same class that same week and I went back into the class and I sat down there and they actually waited for them to come back there because I realized that it may be the seat that they were sitting on because I was late into the semester and I went, I went back there, sat next to them. They, they actually had the ego and the thing to actually get up right in front of me to prove that what my friend was saying was actually true. And I was like, this is not, like, this is not true. This is not actually happening. And then when I got back to talk to him, he was like, ah, oh, it happened, didn't it? And I was like, it did actually. And he was like, told you, this is how it is up here. And I was like, okay, this is not fantastic. And having conversation with people and people creating in their head that most of the questions I used to get was that, um, before I even talk, the first thing I get is that, oh, are you an athlete? Are you here to play sports? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm here for school only. And trust me, like I'm on a scholarship and also my parents can pay for it. That's why I'm here. It's not because of, you know, um, I'm coming to play sports only. And I kind of got that vibe that that is what is seen. That if you see um, a black student in a school that is majority white, they kind of have the thing that, oh, he's definitely here for sports. So that was the main reason why he must be here. And I was like, you know what? Maybe me being here, God has a purpose for me, for me to share my story with them. And as I got in to like speak to them and show them who I truly am, that's when their perception of who I am started changing. Which I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just go on and do that instead. Yeah. And when we were talking before, <clears throat> you and Rob were talking about dorm life, man. And you said like, that's another whole layer of perceptions or issues. Um, yeah, dumb life is um, uh, it's just a whole different thing on its own. And um, one thing I experienced be living in a dorm was, so my roommate, one was Hispanic and one was um, um, black like me. And I asked them that, oh, maybe, I, I never, I was like, maybe they just put us together, maybe just, to, and he was like, yeah, I don't know about that. But I'm like, I was like, nah, I'm definitely not sure. So I spoke to my, like, it was, everyone kind of looked at me awkwardly the first time I got there. And the first time I was living there, I was like, maybe it's because I'm new, blah, blah, blah. I just don't want to, like, get into it. But then <laughs> I kind of overheard a conversation by 
to um, students that were like walking by the dorm. Like they didn't know I was in there. I was kind of like walking through the kitchen, they were walking by and the girl kind of said, oh, have you seen the two? Um, have you seen the black boy that just moved in? I'm glad he's not in, that, in my friend's room. That would have been so awkward. I don't want to be seen next to them. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, that is not great. And I didn't want to pop out. And I was like, wait, did she just say that? Like, I was like, okay, whatever. So I wanted to transfer out of my school the first month I got there. And it was sad that how can someone from a different country move in and already is being back slashed with such thin. I was like, mm. it's whatever. Yeah. But I'm still thriving mm. and moving in the school, so which is yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate you sharing that. And I think this is really important, right? Part of what we're doing is um, we all come at this issue of racism and all these issues with our own experience, right? And so my experience may not be your experience, but just because it's not my experience, it's not fair for me to say, that's not what there are people who are experiencing. Um, <clears throat> and that's why I think this is important because that is what you've experienced. And just because I haven't, I can't say that that's not true or not real. Um, so Rob, how about you? Uh, what's been your experiences? Um, you, you can even, we've talked a little bit about where you grew up and some of those stories. Love to, whatever you feel, want to tell us about a little bit about your story. I, I first began to uh, experience the effects of uh, racism when I was a child. Um, I didn't understand it, but as a child, when my mother would uh, take us as a family and as we traveled um, in South, I, I grew up in Trenton, New Jersey, but as we traveled in the South and, and just having experiences as a young kid where uh, where I remember one time uh, uh, we, we made a stop um, at a tourist place and there was a white only and black only, you know, uh, uh, a colored uh, restroom. And um, <laughs> the family pulled me back because I was going into the wrong restroom. But even as I um, grew from childhood into my teenage years, I remember the, uh, I, re I remember um, the assaults on us being called, you know, and, and this kind of a thing. But I remember the, 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 the Klan, the Ku Klux Klan marching in, having a rally at the state capitol uh, in Trenton. And I remember the, um, the uh, 68, um, the protests and the, uh, the marches that we were having um, uh, for justice and against racism and the system. And I remember the uh, brutality of the police back in, in, in the day of 60, from 68, 69, 70, uh, we had a lot of riots. And there was such a division in our community between the black community and, and the white community. And, and I remember, you know, as, as I was watching George Floyd, um, what, they, what was done to him, um, and I remember also watching the news the other day and observing some of the, uh, the, the riots and, and what was happening, I was getting flashbacks of how it was in Trenton when we had the uh, peaceful marches and the protests and then uh, things got out of hand. But I remember too that um, 
black men were being killed then. And then as, as I, as I um, went on in life uh, in, in high school, I remember um, we, uh, we had to deal with uh, the race issue in schools and to avoid, uh, try to avoid conflict in, 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 in fighting. Um, and, and so much was being um, shared with us in terms of the history of uh, uh, African-American history, the history of black folks in America, which we were not taught into textbooks, but um, uh, so many have shared their stories. But I remember also going into the service. I went into the service, and I and I and I had a, 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 a sergeant say were over over me that were known Ku Klux Klan, and that was a real struggle for us. And we tried to fight for justice in while I was in the military, but to no avail. But eventually, they did um, they did end up getting court-martialed, and appropriate action was taken once um, I had moved over into Germany. But I do know that um, throughout life, I see, I have seen the effects of, uh, the effects that racism has, uh, particularly, uh, not only where you go to school, but also in terms of the workplace and in jobs, you know, the favoritism, the discrimination because of the color of your skin. And regardless of whether you were of lighter hue or darker hue, but what I do know that um, when it came to trying to rent or trying to buy, uh, in the marketplace where you shop and just the way police treat you, the brutality of police. That's why we see so much unrest right now. Uh, people are protesting because people are tired of, I mean, we went, we went, you, you talk about protests. While there's a protest going on right now and many are upset with the protests they see in this country, well, this country was founded on, on protests and it was a violent protest, and that was the American Revolution. And, it, and, and then we go to uh, uh, the uh, uh, Emancipation Proclamation, the president gets killed, that was pretty violent, and within 10 years, uh, America was in Jim Crow. Uh, so we go from chattel slavery, Jim Crow, we go to this se segregation, and we look at the denial of blacks to be able to be be fully uh, able to get an education. And even today, this police racism, the, 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 the inadequate health care, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it goes on and on and on. And what we're just bearing witness to is how black men and black women, black folks are being killed and people are upset. And, and racism affects us both as individuals and it affects uh, with, with systems as well as in institutions. Mm. You were kind of nodding uh, when Rob was talking about challenges in getting housing or jobs or um, why were you kind of, you were nodding in agreement because you experienced that or you are expecting to experience that or what? Um, so one thing that um, I was, so before moving here, I, I, like I said, I didn't have that expectation in my head, but then I had stories from my aunties and cousins who lived here and my auntie kind of gave me their talk. And I was like, she was like, wait, she was like, I need to talk to you before you get to school in the first place. And I was like, what do you have to talk to me about? And she was like, I need to give you the talk about living in America. And I'm like, okay, sure. And she told me what I'm supposed to do and respond in certain communities and where I'm supposed to be. 
And I'm like, why is that? And she told me that the talk was, one, I shouldn't be seen late at night outside. That should never happen. She, she made that very, very clear to me. She said I should make sure that I, I don't wear hoodies. When I, and I love like, working out a lot. And I, and I love working out in my hoodies. And she's like, don't do that. If you want to walk outside at night, make sure you're seen clearly, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, okay, that is so awkward. And she told me that whenever I go to the supermarket, I should make sure that I'm not just walking around. Even if I have to buy a piece of candy, buy it and walk out. Make sure I'm holding a receipt. And I'm like, why? And she said, I'm telling you. And the first day I experienced that was when I went to one supermarket. I won't mention the name, but... I went there and I saw that there was one of the associates that kept on following mm. me. And it, it, I, I, I didn't realize it until I went downstairs. And I saw that she started following me downstairs. And I was wearing sweatpants, hoodies, jumped on, blah, 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 hands in my pocket. Clearly, my auntie, I wasn't listening to my auntie. And then she kept on following me. And then I was like, wait, is she actually fo-? So I went back upstairs and realized she was still following me. And I was like, okay, this girl is definitely following me. So I grabbed my stuff. I bought, I just, I even, the stuff that I bought, I didn't even need. I was actually come to look at the price of something and make sure it, it will fit inside my dorm before I buy it. And as I went back there, I was like, you know what? Let me just buy something random and just head out. And when I went back out, I was like, wow, this is true. And the talk was actually true about how I'm supposed to. And my sister also, who lives here in Maryland, was like, make sure you never talk back to any man in uniform. I was like, what do you mean? She was like, hey, when they are talking, shut up. Mm. Keep quiet. Just listen to what he's saying. Yeah. Obey instructions. Don't ever, ever talk back. And I'm like, OK, OK, OK. And that kind of started putting fear in me and my friends were kind of realizing that why don't I like going out with them? And I told them that even from um, me... Those white friends? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was telling them that it's not... I I never told them that it's not just because of my Christian aspect that I don't want to go out with you guys. What you guys engage in, I don't want to do that in the first place. But then one thing I was scared is me going out at night Mm -hmm. and me being a man of color, me walking outside at that time, I knew that was not safe for me. So that was like one thing I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to try to do that. And if I'm going to go out, I'll make sure that, no offense to like my other um, people of color, I'll make sure that I'm not with too many of them. I'll make sure that I'm at least I'm walking with someone who um, the police may have like sympathy towards than me. So then I was like, you know what? I'm not just not even going to go out to the first place. I'm just going to stay and make sure I'm staying safe. So that's why I was nodding at what you were saying. I was like, this is kind of true. Mm. It happens. So, man, we heard um, as a kid, you know, you, your parents tell you you can't go in that bathroom because that's for someone of a different color. You told us a little bit about you watched KKK walk in front of you. You um, had a, someone over you in the military who uh, was part of a hate group. Mm-hmm. I mean, you shared... You, that when you went to the store, everything your family member told you was true, that you shared how you feel um, in the greater Trumbull community going out at night. You've shared that you sat down in a classroom um, 
and some white people purposefully got up and left. Um, and you, you know, you said things like, that's not great, but I mean, how, and I know this is one of those stupid questions, but uh, how does that make your guys' hearts? How does that make you feel? I mean, Rob, when you're a kid experiencing that coming up and then even the military and um, Alex, I mean, having to adjust to that. I mean, like, so where does that make you guys feel? Bitter, angry, sad, unfair, uh, I mean, I'll shut up and listen. What does it make you guys feel? Um, for me, um, I always say that my Christianity has actually shaped the way I live. And um, I never used to make sure that um, whatever is happening in my society is not affecting me. And yeah, sometimes I do think about what is going on and I feel heartbroken by the fact that um, because of my skin color, I'm kind of treated different. But then one thing that I have experienced through my relationship with God is that uh, he said, me during my journey with him, one thing that he always showed me was that I created you. You are unique. You have a purpose. And one thing is that my own son was rejected. And that was, that is the always, that's one of the main things that backs me up in terms of these times like this. He said, my own son was rejected. He brought salvation onto them, but what happened? They killed him. So enjoy the perseverance, like he said in Philippians. And that is one thing that backs me up every single time I'm in stress. And times like this happen, he's like, take joy in perseverance. And I'm like, it's not possible, but he's like, it, it is possible. Endure it. Like, you have a testimony to share unto others. And God being so good today, if, like, if I didn't listen and I just walked past what he was telling me, it would have been a whole different story. I might not be sitting here today. And the fact that I always tell people that my Christianity is what is shaping my life. And it's what is shaping me to become who I am. So that is how I normally react. I'm, sometimes it feels so hard to kind of like accept it that I can't really do much about it. But then I remember who my creator is. And I'm like, you know what? Let me just calm down, listen to what he says, and he'll take me through it. That is my biggest encouragement. Wow. Yep. Yeah. That's powerful, man. And Rob, you've had... Uh a little more years than Alex, right? So you've had to kind of process through this, but how has those different events landed on you? Well, the hurt and the pain, uh, I'm just, I would say this because uh, I'm at a different point in the journey right now because I realize the effects of sin and, and I'm not gonna allow myself to be hoodwinked by the system and injustices in this society. And I, I don't, I'm not gonna allow myself to be yoked by the walls of the enemy. Because greater is he that is in me than is he is in the world. But I do know one thing, that God is calling us out uh, to be people to manifest his love. So despite those who are out here who are, um, walking in this way and contributing into the system of injustice, God is calling us, you, you, you quoted Micah 6, 8, right? 
So I know that we need to humble ourselves and we need to be agents. God is calling us to be agents of justice and righteousness. And I believe that God is calling his people to be proactive, shall I say, in, in leading through the challenges of healing racial and systemic injustice. I know that sounds broad, but our conscience, you know, um, should be informed and inspired and, and, and empowered um, by God's love and our love for others. And, 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 and I don't think it's about the rule of law. <laughs> I mean, you know, or the law of this land, it's the spirit of Christ that's in us as God's people. And we need to be ambassadors and we should be agents of healing in our community. Um, and, I, and I believe that without this godly sorrow, this, this grief, and without this heart of repentance, we cannot have conversation and moving forward. But um, racial healing is a, is a process, um, Pastor Peter. We can undertake it as individuals and communities and across society as a whole. But as the people of God, we should be at the forefront of this. Um, in healing, we recognize our common humanity. <laughs> my brother from Ghana, my, my uh, brother from Trumbull. Um, Originally New York. I claim New York, man. I feel like it makes me... But one of the, New Yorkish. I think one of the big things, because a lot of people look at, well, I, I didn't do anything. I'm not responsible for this. But we all, we all have, the scripture does say we all have sinned and fallen short, but quite frankly, we have acknowledged, we need to acknowledge our past wrongs and build on authentic relationships. And I think um, that's what's going to transform communities and and, and shift our national discourse because we're talking to one another. You know, I was looking at, in the Webster Dictionary, looking up this word um, healing, if, if I can go there. And it speaks about, it, Webster defines it as um, the act of curing, um, restoring to a sound state, um, the act of covering. It, 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 it speaks of to remove as differences or dissension to reconcile as parties at variance as to heal a breach or a difference and I believe that to heal in essence means to restore to wholeness to repair damage and 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 there's a sin issue in this country so here being a Calvary church uh, I, I must I must say um, there is something that what God is doing to repair and I believe it's a wake-up call He's trying to set things right, and he wants, he wants us, uh, and, and we all have different methods. We may have different approaches for leading and healing, but we know uh, that the Lord is requiring this of us.